Live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Rue for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, here's Jeff Wagner. On this Friday, it is a Wagner-less edition of the Jeff Wagner Show. How do we do that? Well, we do that by having yours truly, Scott Warris. I am with you here until 3 o'clock this afternoon, sitting in for Jeff. Yes, indeed, we are at Summerfest, the final Friday of the festival. Of course, we'll count today, so you've got three days left here at Summerfest. Wisconsin's Afternoon News will take over at 3 o'clock. What do we have on tap over the next three hours? We're going to do a little heavy lifting, but I've got a a series of um, kind of smaller stories that I think I, I find very interesting because of some of the larger questions that I think we can ask and address through some of them. The Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest happened yesterday. I watched Joey Chestnut win again. But there has been a little bit of a controversy, not over the contest itself, but over, well, what that contest is all about. And we'll get into that in a little while. Soccer on Sunday, the U.S. women's team will be playing for the World Cup title. This is the, uh, well, this is the point every four years where, let's be honest, folks, America cares about soccer. And I'm fascinated by the debate. And I'll be honest, I think we only have this debate every four years when either it's the men or the women, depending on which year is the World Cup for for which sport. I am just really interested in the great, I call it the great soccer debate. The reason that this sport has not taken off in this country is interesting to me because there are are such a wide array of reasons for that not happening. And we'll get into that as well because I think um, there really is no right or wrong answer. Real quickly, though, can I just start with this? And I was talking with some of the folks here inside our mobile studio, and, of course, we are live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Beautiful view of Lake Michigan, beautiful view of a 60-foot unicorn. Yeah, you heard me right. That's another reason to come down to State Fair. But I was talking with some of the folks here on site because, and I admit, I I do not regularly come downtown. I I live in the suburbs, so if I'm working at the station on the Upper East Side, I kind of just work my way out west. So I admittedly do not come downtown as frequently as many of you do. But in order for me to come to Summerfest here the last couple of days, taking 94 East, get off at St. Paul Avenue, and uh, navigate through the Third Ward down to the Summerfest grounds. I had no idea, and I realize some of you are going to say, Scott, where have you been? Under a rock. We've known about this for a while. Okay, fine. I had no idea that there had been, and currently is, for all intents and purpose, a shantytown that is set up under the overpass of, what is that, 794, or the extension, if you will, right by the Amtrak station, or if you prefer, the intermodal station, 
as some like to call it. I had no idea of all the tense of, in essence, homeless people. That's what it is. Uh, Look, we've talked about the panhandling matter in this city, which, again, I, I, I... you know, say in the last four or five years, it has the problem has grown immensely in the last handful of years because I, I grew up here and I do not remember it as such. But I was taken aback coming down to Summerfest, getting off there on the St. Paul Avenue off ramp, and seeing, and, and, and I'm not just talking about a handful, there are dozens and dozens of makeshift tents that are set up and it's sad is what it is and i'm not looking we're not, we're not going to have a debate as to the reasons why there are a whole number of reasons why but i i i'm really at, at a loss for words but as somebody who doesn't navigate that particular street often i had no idea the problem of homelessness in this city had Come to the point where it's at. And I'll be honest, I don't know how others in this community, people with more clout certainly than me, elected leaders and whatnot, have not driven through there, driven past there and said, what in the world is happening? I do not remember sites like that over the last maybe four or five years before that. Something happened, and I don't know the answer, and we can have the debate another time. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. There are people smarter than me that are paid a lot more than me to figure that out and and to solve those type of problems. But we've talked about the homeless issue in terms of the panhandling, and everybody sees the panhandling. But to see that tent city is just really disheartening. And um, I would just hope that within the sound of my voice, there are city leaders out there who are working to fix that problem, that issue. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. There are a number of factors that contribute to that. And, um, you know, you, you can argue whether or not there's some people looking to take advantage of generosity of others when it comes to panhandling. I guarantee you, well, I, I, I'd all but guarantee you that there's nobody living in a tent under an overpass in 80, 90 degree weather doing that to somehow gain an advantage on somebody else. If those people didn't have to be there, I don't think they would be there. To uh, the mayor, aldermen, and other representatives of the city, there's some great things happening in this community. And certainly tout that as much as you want, because it's warranted. But if you're going to do that, you've got to also look at some of these other problems. And you can't drive through there without going, wow, this is a problem. That was the feeling that I had a short time ago as I drove through there. And by the way, how many hundreds and I should say thousands and thousands of people from the city, from the suburbs from around the state from around the midwest are coming here to Summerfest during the run of the world's largest music festival are taking that same off-ramp that i am and seeing that and it's really troublesome it it really is and and i i can't think uh, i can't imagine that people aren't having similar feelings debbie uh, text in. They're not makeshift. Those are nice tents. Uh, well, Debbie, I'm okay. I mean, fine. There are some nice tents, quote unquote, but still, 
I mean, come on. There's dozens of tents and people living under the freeways in Milwaukee, and that was not a problem some years ago, and it has to be addressed. So you can argue or debate the quality of the tents, but that would be to miss the larger point. Scott Morris in for Jeff Wagner. We are broadcasting live from Summerfest right outside the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. When we come back, yesterday it happened, the big celebration on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. The president gave his address. I'll give you my thoughts, and I want to know from you at 414-799-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. I'm just going to just take the temperature of if you caught any part of that celebration, specifically his words, what did you think of what he had to say? There was a lot of build-up to it. There was a lot of hemming and hawing. There was a lot of consternation over whether or not it would be too political, it would be political at all. What was your takeaway from what you saw, if you did indeed see and hear some of what the president said yesterday? It was uh, certainly a different style of celebration for this country in recent history, especially on Independence Day. And it warrants a couple seconds of our comments as we continue live from Summerfest. Scott, in for Jeff on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. T.I. performing tonight at 10 o'clock on the U.S. Cellular Connections stage. Scott Warris sitting in for Jeff Wagner out here at Summerfest 2019. So yesterday was uh, the 4th of July. Hope everybody had a great 4th. Everybody was safe and enjoyed the fireworks and the comfort and safety of whatever venue you chose. Obviously, yesterday on the mall in Washington, the build-up to the president's celebration of America. And I'm curious to know what you thought. If you watched, if you heard some of it, and I understand it's a holiday, so that might be easier for some or than others, or, or not as easy for some as they are for others. 414-799-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Not going to spend a lot of time on this, uh, because I don't think that there's much to kind of hash over what he said. I'm on record as saying... I was not a big fan of changing what had been the celebration. Um, it, it just goes against kind of my grain and my nature to kind of, uh, you know, puff out your chest and say, hey, here's who we are, how we are. And I, I was very hesitant to go along with the idea of having the strong military show that was planned and prepared. I was worried, as I think a lot of people were, that the president would allow instincts to take over and to make an address to the nation in that capacity um, more political than it should be. Up until yesterday, there was one, really just one speech that I could recall that was 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 apolitical, and that was the address that he gave in Normandy on the anniversary of D-Day last month. And I said at the time, I think that that speech that he gave on those bluffs with all those veterans there in attendance and all those other world leaders in attendance on the anniversary of the invasion, I thought that that was his best speech and could very well go down as his best speech, regardless of what happens the rest of this term and maybe a second term. And 
leading into the 4th of July, I thought the odds of the president giving a non-political speech, the odds of that happening were slim because I could just remember the one. Well, lo and behold, he did it again yesterday. To his credit, he was able to deliver a very uplifting, patriotic message that honored the military, that really embodied in his words the character of this country, the purpose for which we celebrate our independence, the purpose for which we celebrate on the July 4th holiday. And I tip my cap to the president for what he said and how he said it. And I am not the cold-hearted individual that many will say I am. In watching some of that address yesterday, as he would give a brief commentary on the specific branches of the military, followed by a flyover of aircraft representing that particular branch of the military, I'll be honest, I got some goosebumps, especially with the anthem of that particular branch of the military playing in the background. I got some goosebumps. So I think there has to be some credit given to how this was executed. This is not something that was in the works for the last year. This is not something that was done last 4th of July so they could just kind of follow the the blueprint as to how to execute it this 4th of July. And it really kind of came together in the last, what would you say, three, four weeks or so, at least when it comes to hard and fast details. And I'll say, all things considered, they did a really nice job. I believe it was the Secretary of the Interior who was uh, tasked with heading up yesterday's event. And to all the men and women who were involved in putting that together on the National Mall, a job well done. It was, I, I think, the right tone. It hit the right points. It was something that I think the nation could rally around. And I think the odds are good that we're going to see it again next year with the president and perhaps beyond uh, should he win re-election. 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. Just kind of taking your temperature as to what you thought of what happened yesterday. Did it live up to your expectations? Did it fall short? Were you skeptical going in and, and maybe you thought, all right, it wasn't so bad? Or were you skeptical going in and you're skeptical coming out of it? It was a big point of discussion across this country over the last several weeks. And I think for large part, those people who were against it originally, I'd be rather surprised if many of you changed your mind as to how you felt about it after the fact. But I come down in saying congratulations to the president. You did not infuse the politics into the matter. It was a speech that hit the perfect tone. And to all those involved in putting it on, I say job well done. You gave me goosebumps, and that is a job well done. It's 1226. Scott in for Jeff on WTMJ.
Do you have Medicare and Wisconsin Medicaid? With Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, you could be getting so much more. Anthem may provide up to $2,500 towards dental, $0 copays on many prescriptions, and up to $1,400 for over-the-counter health care items. Get more out of your Medicare and Medicaid coverage. Switch today. Call 866-728-1859. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is an HMO special needs plan with a Medicare contract and a contract with Wisconsin Medical Program. Enrollment in Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield depends on contract renewal. Are you a veteran or do you know a veteran who needs help? Those who bravely served our country should not have to worry about hunger or homelessness. The Wisconsin Department of Veterans Affairs Veterans Outreach and Recovery Program is here to assist. Together with our partners like the local county veterans service officers, we can connect veterans with services such as medical care, financial and legal assistance, housing, mental health, and substance abuse treatment and more. For more information, please visit wisvets.com. That's wisvets.com. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Department of Veterans Affairs with funding provided by the Milwaukee Brewers and the Brewers Community Foundation. Hey, boaters! This is Dave Doro from Kendor Marine. And if you're a boater and you haven't been here, ask around. And I think some of your boater buddies will tell you, you're missing out. Because at Kendor Marine, we have everything you need but the water. And when you get here, you'll know. That's no exaggeration. So get in the know. Because boaters in the know know exactly where to go. Kendor Marine, 57th and Ryan Road in Franklin. Hey, boaters! Cruise to Kendor Marine. We've got everything you need but the water. From fishing to water sports and everyday essentials like anchors and life jackets, along with an incredible selection of hardware, Kendor Marine is a boater's paradise. This is Dave Doro, and our endless selection of boating parts and accessories all but assure you one-stop shopping for all your boating needs. And that's why boaters in the know know exactly where to go. Kendor Marine, 57th and Ryan Road in Franklin. Hey, boaters, cruise to Kendor Marine. We've got everything you need but the water. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Bring them out, bring them out, hey! Bring them out, bring them out, T.I. performing at the U.S. Cellular Connection stage tonight. We are out here at Summerfest. Scott Warris in for a vacationing Jeff Wagner on the text line. Just recapping and getting reaction to what you thought about the president and the celebration yesterday on the National Mall. From the 262, I fully expected to see a Soviet-type military parade. Instead, I was quite moved by the event and think Trump got it right. I appreciate your candor. From the 262, that's... I don't know that I was anticipating a a, uh, Soviet-type military parade, although I kind of was picturing that type of situation. But I'm with you. I think the president got it right. I think... um, I have have nothing to to quibble about when it comes to what unfolded yesterday on the National Mall. That said, I'm not getting real worked up about this particular matter. I find it funny when presidents give speeches, when, you know, leaders misspeak and mispronounce, and you can, you know, I I chuckled along when... uh, President Bush would stumble over something. I love the clip of uh, former President Obama referencing Milwaukee County Executive Chris Abila. I mean, I just find those things funny because we're all human and we're all fallible and we make mistakes. And obviously one of the mistakes that the president made in the speech yesterday is getting some traction. And I just chuckle at it, chalk it up to another mistake by a president giving a live speech. 
That, of course, was when he praised the Americans' military efforts uh, in the war against Great Britain. He said, quote, Our army manned the air. It rammed the ramparts. It took over the airports. It did everything it had to do. And at Fort McHenry, under the rocket's red glare, it had nothing but victory, he said. Of course... When it comes to airports and military airplanes, that is more of a 20th century invention. The first powered flight of an airplane was officially attributed to the Wright brothers. That was in 1903. Other observant listeners picked up on a second historical error. His reference to Fort McHenry and the rocket's red glare, the Battle of Baltimore, which the words to the Star-Spangled Banner were written, that, of course, took place, if you did not know, during the War of 1812, not necessarily the Revolutionary War. So I don't know if that was on the teleprompter or if he went off script with that. I've seen different accounts. They'd say the teleprompter kind of goofed up, and so he, he ad-libbed a little bit, and ad-libbing has gotten him in trouble when it comes to these type of faux pas over time. So I chuckle at that. Even that aside, I thought he nailed it. And I'm sure we'll see it again July 4th of 2020. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Modest Yahoo performing at 10 o'clock tonight on the Johnson Controls World Stage as we continue live from Summerfest. Jeff is off today. I am Scott Warris, taking you up until 3 o'clock. That's when Eric Bilstad and Tony Bedock bring you Wisconsin's afternoon news. EB will be out here um, in the mobile studio. We hope you come by. We are, if you don't know, we are facing Lake Michigan. That is east. Uh, we're right by the Gruber Law Office's sports zone. Just walk your way through the basketball court, and you'll find us. And if not there, just look for the 60-foot inflatable unicorn. And head north. Boy, there are a lot of photographs being taken out here, aren't they? This is Instagram Alley. Is that what you called it? Instagram Point. There are a lot. There's a couple right there taking a photo. It's going to be on their Facebook page in two seconds. It's remarkable. Okay. Here's a challenge I have for all of us. And I I joked with Kyle off the air. I said, we're going to talk soccer at 12.38 in the afternoon. But here's why I want to do it. And don't don't roll your eyes. I can hear you rolling your eyes. Don't roll your eyes. Here's why I want to do it. It's because this weekend, the women's national team is going to play for another World Cup title. That'll be on Sunday. I'm intrigued by the factors that go into the fact that soccer has not taken root in this country. Certainly to the extent that it has just about everywhere else on the planet. All right, maybe not Antarctica and, you know, points that are covered in ice and snow, 364 out of 365 days a year, but you get my point. And that's nothing new. And I just have a simple question, and I know a lot of you played soccer, have have sons, daughters, granddaughters, grandsons, all that stuff. You, you know soccer because you're spending your Saturdays, Saturday mornings usually, somewhere, on a par- somewhere at a park, at a field. Maybe there are little kids running around, just kind of scrambling around, kicking the ball. There's really no rhyme or reason to what's happening. 
it's it's so very popular at a youth level. So what happened, or, or what is happening here? Why hasn't this sport taken hold in the in, in America, in the United States, as it has around the country, except for what? Once every four years. Let's be honest, everybody. I know there are soccer diehards out there, but it's only once every four years where you care. <laughs> and I will raise my hand and say, yep, I'm there with you. And I'm willing to say that when it's a men's world cup as it was last year although the u.s team didn't qualify and even as a non-soccer person myself i can say what a joke that is and disappointing that is but even more so when it's a world cup men's season this year it's the women and they're certainly popular and have been in the headlines for a number of reasons but people are more intrigued and interested right now i mean it's only every four years in this country why is that why is it that soccer is so popular when you look at the youth sports level? You can make the argument that as a youth sport, soccer is more popular than any other. More than basketball. More than football. Certainly more than baseball, I think you could say. And yet, once you reach adult stage... It's just kind of out of sight, out of mind. What happens between those little rugrats running around on a Saturday morning in a park, which is always interesting to watch, too, because you've just got, like, there's no organization to that. It's just a soccer ball and then, like, a, a bunch of legs and arms, and it's just like a, a, a whirling dervish around a, a soccer ball, and you just kind of follow the, the chaos as it ensues. But, nevertheless, what is it? That has disallowed this sport from taking hold here in America. There are several reasons. I've got a list of mine, and I'm curious as to know why you think this is. Or, or maybe you disagree with me. I don't know how you could disagree with me, though. I mean, baseball, football, basketball, NASCAR, golf. Would you put them all certainly above soccer in this country? Why? 414-799-1620. That, of course, is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 414-799-1620. We will go to you, Don in Brookfield. You'll be up first. We'll get to the text line as well. We have open lines. There's no wrong answer here. And I know a lot of you have youngsters involved in the sport. So what happens? What's not happening, really? That's the question. And we'll tackle that one next on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I know this is Modest Yahoo. He's the one that sings this song? I didn't know that. I, my musical knowledge is probably... Yes, and you're being uh, complimentary with that. Hmm. Modest Yahoo tonight, Johnson Controls World Stage. I probably know the least about music of anybody on the grounds right now. This is an education for me. I go, oh, that's who does that. And here I am. <laughs> All right, let's get back to it. I'm Scott Warris, sitting in for Jeff with you until 3. Taking up right now the great soccer debate. And as I said before, every four years we care. Let's be honest, folks. And we care this weekend because the women are playing for the World Cup title on Sunday. But what 
is not happening. That's, as I said at the end of the last segment, that is really the question to ask. What is not happening in America between having these little kids, boys and girls, doing nothing but soccer just about every weekend out of the year when you can play soccer in this part of the country, but everywhere, but by the time they grow to be an adult stage or play, it's just, it's gone. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, racing, golf, it replaces all of it. It really is amazing when you think about the disparity or, or the or the, um, the gap between the popularity of the sport when kids are young and the popularity of the sport when it comes to adults. Okay, let's go to the phones. Let's start with Don in Brookfield. Don, good afternoon. You are up first on WTMJ. Thank you. <clears throat> um, about, back in the 90s, I owned a company, and one of my employees was a part-time soccer coach for one of the high schools around. I forget which one. So the World Cup was going on, and he told me that there was a big game between the two best teams in the world, like Peru and Bolivia or something, we're going to have a game at like 2 in the morning. And he asked me to watch that game. So I set my alarm, and I got up, and I watched this game, and it ended in regulation 0-0. Zero to zero. And I forget who won in the penalty kicks or whatever they have to determine the end result. So he came to work the next morning, and he's all pumped up. You know, and he's, what would you think of the game? You watch it? And I said, yeah, I watched it. He's, what do you think? And I says, I think soccer needs to increase the goal net by, like, three times, make it a lot wider, have a yellow section where a goal is worth one point, a blue section where it's worth two points, and maybe the center red section worth three points. And he said to me, you don't get it. And I said to him, well, if you consider that game to be a fantastic game, then you're right. I don't get it. And I'll preface that by just saying that all my life, I'm right now I'm 72, I've got arthritis, I had to quit playing softball a few years ago, but I play basketball, county football, baseball, I played all the sports my whole life, I understand sports, I love sports, but I don't get soccer, I've got to admit. And I watch my grandson play soccer, and it's fun, right, but I don't, right. I don't well, get it. That that's the thing, and I appreciate the call, Don, very much. I, I thank you for wait, for waiting in. You hit on one of the reasons that I had. I made my little list here. Not enough offense. You're exactly right. That is exactly right. That is a great reason. Zero zero. Now, albeit penalty kicks can get exciting, but if we can just fast forward to penalty kicks, okay. Tell me when they're going to be, and I'll turn it on then. Zero zero. One nothing. Two to one, American sports fans like offense. We like our touchdowns, right? Basketball. The more points, the more entertainment that we get for our buck, for our time, and all that stuff. It's just it's it's boring in the sense of it was zero zero at the end of at the end of regulation. That is a factor in this. Our attention spans, we like to be entertained thoroughly throughout, and the idea that there can be all that action, quote-unquote, on the soccer pitch, I know that much, it's a pitch, not a field, there can be all that action, but nobody's scoring goals. How exciting is that? 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. Similarly, let's go to line three and talk to Tony, who is going to touch on something uh, kind of along those lines. Hi, Tony. Hey, how's it going, Scott? Thanks for having me on. 
Go ahead. Go for it, buddy. What do you think? I'm impressed that you called it a soccer pitch. I did not know that. <laughs> that is the At extent rate, of it, but go ahead. <laughs> I think it's I think it's too slow. Um, I've tried to watch it with friends that are soccer fans. It's methodical. Um, I think American football is, is, is what we're looking for here. You know, hard-hitting, a lot of offensive-driven stuff, and basketball is my favorite sport. And it's just, just a lot of action. I mean, I watch basketball with my wife. Loves the scoring and stuff like that. So I think that's why it's not catching on. And 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 as far as a lot of kids are playing it, you know, we all know this. Parents are scared of them playing American football because uh, they're going to get hurt, which I understand. But I so I think it goes there and then it kind of dies off. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I appreciate the call, Tony. Have a great afternoon. But I'm, I'm curious as to why it dies off. You're right. I mean, the soccer numbers are high, and we'll see if that's due in large part to parents not having their kids play football specifically. There's part of that, but that's only the anti-football sentiment is just now kind of gaining momentum in the last few years. But why is it dying off? But I agree with you, Tony. We, as American sports fans, we like to be entertained to the nth degree. I mean, heck, go to an NBA game. You have the entertainment of the game itself, and then the timeouts and and those situations. uh, You've got games and sounds and music blaring. We like to be entertained. And from an entertainment standpoint, a pure entertainment standpoint, I don't know that soccer is able to to kind of satisfy an American craving for that level of entertainment, especially if you are a fringe fan. Fringe fans are going to be brought in for a lot of those outside things. If you think about it, that, that, that is why at NBA games, in large part, you have and even baseball games at Miller Park. There, there's there's the the in the mid inning competitions, the things on the scoreboard at the NBA games. You have those contests. All of that is to draw in and keep the attention of the fringe fans. If you're a diehard NBA fan, you're going to go to an NBA game and you could care less what happens during the timeouts or in between the quarter quarters. If you're a baseball fan, who cares what's happening during the seventh inning stretch or between the first and the second inning or the crazy cap shuffle? That's all meant to bring in others to the fandom family, if you will. 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner, the final Friday of Summerfest. We're back in a moment on WTMJ. She's out there rolling down Cole Swindell performing tonight at the Harley-Davidson Roadhouse with Miller High Life. A couple of minutes here before the top of the hour news. Let's get back to the phones. To Dave in Waukesha, you're up next on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Dave. Hey, Scott, how are you doing? I'm well. How do you ex- explain the disparity when it comes to the fandom of soccer, this country versus the world? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, and I've talked to a lot of people whose kids are involved in soccer, it, it obviously in grade school and whatever, it starts off, you know, everybody plays soccer or whatever. Then it peels off a little bit in the high school level because, Quite frankly, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of parents and a lot of kids or whatever, they're looking for how many D one scholarships do you see out of coming out of soccer, and and then, you know, after your college career, where do you go with it? 
I mean, I, I think it comes down to money, to be perfectly honest. I mean, granted... You, you're right, Dave. I, and th- that's one of the things I had, too. I'm looking at my list right here is simply after college, if you can make it, what opportunities do you have to yeah, make I mean, a career out of it? I, yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for for kids and young people playing the sport to then be able to go and turn on a television, which is another reason. I mean, a lot of these games, if they're not watching MLS, are at wee hours of the morning because they're overseas. But how many kids can, after playing on a Saturday morning, can go home, turn on their television, watch a soccer match, and say, that is something that I'm going to keep doing. That is something I want to do for the rest of my life, and I'm going to make money and a career doing it. That is just not an opportunity in large part. Yeah, and, and you know, I've talked to different parents that have, a lot of kids in, let's say, select programs, you know, and things like that. Not soccer, but other sports. And they pay, they're willing to pay whatever it takes. And I said, how can you justify all this time and money, you know, and things like that when they're still in the, you know, at the club level thing, you know, in, in, in high school and stuff? Mm-hmm. You realize what a D-level scholarship means? I never really thought about it in that terms, but it was like, you know, you're talking about a quarter million bucks. It's like a big-time box, you know, that type of thing. And you're just not going to find it in soccer because... The afterlife of that is, albeit slim in any sport, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. You're right, Dave, and I'll let you go. I appreciate that, that you make a very good point there. Um, Mary, I'm not going to be able to get to you. I apologize. Mary says, my biggest complaint is that the announcers for the broadcast assume we know all the rules of the game, which I do not. That is a good one as well, Mary. Think about the broadcasts of soccer. Are the broadcasts, the telecasts, are they doing all they can to rope in and loop in fringe soccer fans. Is that even happening at all? A couple good texts and a couple closing comments. We'll get to that after the news with Rusty right here on WTMJ. Live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, here's Jeff Wagner. Not today, big voice guy. Scott Warris sitting in for the vacationing. Jeff Wagner, we are live right by the Gruber Law Office's Sport Zone. And I am staring down the face of a 60-foot unicorn. How many of you can say you did that on a Friday at 108 in the afternoon? You say, what in the world are you doing staring down a 60-foot unicorn? I say, what aren't I doing staring down a 60-foot unicorn as it continues to draw rave reviews? And here we sit. I think I'm going with Instagram Alley. It just kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit, and it is a very popular spot right here as we look east out on Lake Michigan. And uh, this unicorn is uh, charging the mobile studio right now. Before the news, we were, and I just want to wrap up a couple of uh, thoughts about the the topic, whether soccer is something that will ever take hold in the U.S. I don't think it ever will. It's for a number of factors, and I appreciate everybody who called and who texted in, and you nailed a bunch of ones that were on my list. Not enough offense. It's too boring that way. A 0-0 final in regulation, a one nothing final is too boring. We Americans, we want offense with our sports. We want, a, we want high-scoring affairs. And you say, well, what about baseball? And I say, calm down. Baseball is something, incidentally, if you're going to kind of bring that back at me, and how can people get excited for baseball? But you got to remember, baseball has been kind of grandfathered in from generation to generation. 
in this country. And so baseball's in a, in a different realm. Now, baseball's trying to get the offense up. A lot of home runs this uh, this season. Record pace for home runs. So there are things the sport is doing to appeal to those who want the offense. But to soccer, the offense isn't there, and thus it gets a little boring. College oppor- post-college opportunities are very limited. And if you are a good to great junior high and high school soccer player, there are still limited opportunities for athletic scholarships at the collegiate level. And beyond college, I mean, to play professionally soccer at, at, at as high a level as possible is so very difficult. So it's hard for young people who love the sport early, who watch it early, it's hard for them to be involved and do all they can to embrace the sport and know that there's a future in it for me after school, after high school, after college. Unlike, rightly or wrongly, young people playing football, basketball, baseball, even hockey to a large extent, who think, if I'm good enough, if I'm great, I can potentially make money and make a living doing this. Not the case with soccer. A couple other things that weren't mentioned, at least on the calls. Let me look at the text line here real quickly. Doug from Kenosha. It's all about the money. Star athletes and local schools can get more money and scholarships in the big three. And paying the pros is a lot more. That's exactly the point we were just making. There are more other popular sports in the U.S., says Rick. All were popular way before soccer had any interest here. Tough to compete. Yes, that's certainly a factor as well. How in the world is soccer supposed to nuzzle its way to the top of the baseball, football, basketball? You can rank them however you want. Hockey, NASCAR, all that stuff. A couple of, a couple factors here, and then we'll move on, that weren't named. There really aren't a lot of stars. Not enough, anyway, I think, in the sport of, of soccer in this respect. It is something that the other sports have that this one doesn't. And so you know the great athletes in baseball, in football, in basketball. Certainly, I think that's what the NBA is doing right now better than any other sport. They're willing to identify who their stars are. They're willing to promote their stars. And their stars are bringing in fans. And yes, you have some degree of star power in soccer, but the greats, Ronaldo, Messi, first of all, they're not playing here, they're playing overseas. And I know that some of them have spent time with MLS teams. The MLS hasn't caught on either. But there is not the star power that draws in fans like the other sports do. Here's the last one. And this is an interesting one, but I think it it speaks to the heart of America and to American sports fans. Soccer was not created here. Soccer is not our sport. And there's something to be said for those sports that began here. Basketball. Football. Baseball. Those are things that we take ownership in because we thought of it. And if we thought of it, doggone it, it's going to be the sports that we follow and we care about more than other sports. So soccer is something that happened overseas and in a land far, far away. And it's not ours. 
it's it's hard to embrace something that seems so foreign even now seems so very foreign in the truest sense of the word so i appreciate all the calls and the texts for those of you weighing in and if you're like me maybe on sunday you'll spend a couple of hours anyway caring about soccer and then we can wait another four years for the next world cup and we'll care about soccer again it's 114 scott warris in for jeff wagner we are live at Summerfest, and this is wtmj Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Cole Swindell, Harley Davidson Roadhouse tonight here at Summerfest. That's where we are located. Live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Crowd picking up a little bit. Final Friday of Summerfest. Matt Pauley will be here tomorrow with the Brewers warm-up and then Brewers extra innings and the same on Sunday. And then just like that, 2019 version of Summerfest will be over. All right, I want to tell you this next story out of Tennessee. And I'm going to leave out one important detail, okay? Here is how uh, Fox writes this and reports this. One young, I'll say attractive, police officer from Tennessee has become something of an overnight social media sensation after starring in a two-minute video explaining a new hands-free driving law on behalf of the Knoxville Police Department. Hands-free law took effect on July 1st, banning drivers from holding their phones on the road. They hope the policy is going to reduce distracted driving accidents and fatalities, all that kind of stuff, which we can understand, and we have that here, too. Reps for the Knoxville Police Department easily got the message across with this officer sending hearts racing across the Internet. In the quick clip shared to Twitter, it has since been viewed over one million times. The officer urges motorists to respect the new policy and do your part to keep the road safe. Officer standing side by side with a fellow official, um, identified as Officer Wilson, as they fully explain the new law. Well, now the officer has become something of an overnight social media sensation. Because why? Romantic admirers are becoming more interested in getting the 411. Hmm. On officers, on the officers' personal life. Is this appropriate? Does this sound like something that should be as popular on social media as it is, especially in this day and age? Here's a couple of tweets in response to the video. Officer White, I will throw my phone into a river if that's what it takes for a date with you. Hmm. Okay. That was liked over 51,000 times. Somebody else tweets in, is Officer White single? I'm asking for a friend. Okay, Where does the officer on the left, remember there's two officers in this video, where does the officer on the left patrol exactly? Here's another one. What days and where does Officer White work? I need to have this law personally explained to me, please. Hmm. Cheekier commenters, uh, commentators, too, did not shy from being bold. Here's a, somebody who tweeted in. Can I get arrested by Officer White? Okay. 
If the only way to meet Officer White is to text and drive, then you already know what I'm doing. Okay. Those two need a reality show. Stat, one person said of Officer White and the colleague standing alongside. All advances aside, a rep for the Knoxville Police Department has since revealed that the officer has been with the department for eight years, working as a resource officer for a local school and covering the motors unit when school is not in session. Is this something that is appropriate to be said and to be as popular that even national outlets are picking up on the social media frenzy that has erupted over the looks of an officer, of a law enforcement officer, to be dragged out into the public like this, drooled over, looked at, commented about thousands of times. Is there anything wrong with that? 414-799-1620 on the Akadan Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 414-799-1620. Don't overthink this one. I just think that in this day and age, in this era of political correctness, in this era of, yeah, you could even say the Me Too movement, is this the way for an officer to be treated, for lack of a better term, in doing their job. 414-799-1620 on the Akron Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll come back in two minutes. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner. We are live at Summerfest here outside the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The Killers. They are headlining tonight at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater at Summerfest. 414-799-1620, the Acumen Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So I just read you that story that has now been picked up by national news outlets. This one was courtesy of Fox News about a young police officer from Tennessee who, along with a colleague, put out a video talking about the new laws that went into place July 1st about banning drivers in the state of Tennessee from holding their phones on the road. And this video, this short little vignette video, has been picked up and passed around on social media because how attractive this officer is. I read you some of the things. People tweeting, where does the officer patrol exactly? Hmm? Is the officer single asking for a friend? I need the officer to personally explain this new law to me, please. Doesn't some of that make your skin crawl a little bit? Well, here's the thing. If you haven't seen the story, I know some of you have, and you know where I'm going with this. This is not a female officer. This is a male officer. Officer White, his name is Officer Derek White. This is not a female officer. This is a, this is a guy. And he and his partner are there putting together this video for the Knoxville Police Department. And it, the comments that I read, the tweets that I read, these are women responding about Officer White. Officer Derek White, I will throw my phone into a river if that's what it takes for a date with you. 
Is Officer Derek White single? I'm asking for a friend. Where does the officer on the left patrol exactly? What days and where does Officer White work? I need him to personally explain this new law to me. <laughs> Can I get arrested by Officer White? That's what Tatiana said. Uh, let's see. If the only way to meet Officer White is to text and drive, then you already know what I'm doing. Now, here's the question that I have. Why and where is the outrage? And I'm doing this somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I recognize that. But where is the outrage for this? I am willing to bet that if this story, if this officer was indeed a woman and was getting... Well, first of all, would she get the attention... From a social media perspective, I'm willing to say yes. And then the attention subsequent from the national news media or the media in general would likely be much different than the, huh, oh, look at this. There's an attractive cop and uh, the women are swooning about him and posting suggestive things on the uh, Twitter and social media and things like that. Now, it's not the biggest story. It's not the be-all, end-all. I get that. I just, I am really... I, I can't help but think how the story would have been portrayed if it were the other way around. And it was a woman, if it was a female who was portrayed this way and being fawned over and men were drooling after a female officer than it was a man. Uh, let's see. To the text line, 414-799-1620. Heather texts in. Scott, some ladies have a thing for a guy in uniform, and a lot of those who work in law enforcement are well aware of that. It would be my assumption that the officer who was chosen was chosen to bring some attention to the subject. Oh, really? See, now that's not even a thought that crossed my mind. But I'm not a woman. Heather, you really think that was the case? You really think that Knoxville police looked over all the different members of the department and said, all right, all right, we're going to need to get some attention to our new law. Let's see if we can find the, what, the most studly of all our officers on the force? Is that really something you think happened? Or are you being tongue-in-cheek as well, Heather? I'd like to think not. Just one of those little things, not the biggest story we'll have all day, all week, all month, all year, obviously, but one of those things that you read and you say, now, what if, what if it was a female officer? I think we would hear a lot more about the, I can't believe so many people are demeaning a female law enforcement officer charged with protecting the people of Knoxville, Tennessee, and here they are spending all their time looking at her and drooling after her. This is an insult to women, an insult to women in the law, in law enforcement, period. Come on. You don't think that would be the case? Mm, you're not that naive, are you? Okay. Coming up on 1.30, we'll get an update from Rusty in just a second. Heather, you're getting more support on uh, the text line. The 262 says, I agree with Heather. Come on, people. You really think that was the case? That the head of the Knoxville Police Department, the chief or whomever in, in, in a supervisory role, lined them all up and said, all right, we need to put together a video to remind everybody about this new law that says you can't drive with your phone. Uh, Tom, you're too short. Gary, you're too bald. Sam, you're too fat. Derek. Derek. 
You're the best looking guy on the force. We're going to put you in this video. Come on. That doesn't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Do you? Hmm. <laughs> I hope not. But I am as cynical as most. Most of the time. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The Killers play the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. Special guest, Death Cab for Cutie. That's tonight, right here, 7.30 showtime at Summerfest. Scott Wara sitting in for Jeff Wagner for another 90 minutes or so. Then Eric Bilstad is in for John Mercure. He'll have Wisconsin's afternoon news. We've been chronicling the saga of our 60-foot unicorn here at Summerfest today. That's right, a 60-foot unicorn is on a barge right in front of us. And I can now report that the Milwaukee police have sidled up alongside the 60-foot unicorn. There's some sort of uh, communication happening now between the police and the unicorn. Maybe they don't have a license to be pushing a unicorn around on the lake. That could be a problem. Uh, the unicorn could have been uh, drinking. I- I'm not sure. But this is something. We have a developing situation here. So there's a chance that we may be seeing the end of the unicorn. This is not quite like the baby Trump balloon, but it's 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 what we got here at Summerfest. <laughs> now the P- Milwaukee police, yeah, they've got their boat out there right alongside the unicorn. They're talking with some of the guys that are have been charged with pushing this barge on which this giant inflatable unicorn is sitting back and forth in front of us along Lake Michigan's uh, coastline. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll continue to provide updates because I know that's what you care about most. Okay, here's something that you're not going to care about most, I promise. But again, I said at the top, I just got a flurry of kind of curious stories that have uh, tickled my fancy, as it were. Over the last couple of days. And this one I had on the books for a while, and then we had an update overnight. This is Lufkin, Texas. Okay, Police there have now identified a juvenile who was seen licking a tub of bluebell ice cream in a now viral video. Speaking of social media and viral things, have you seen this one? This uh, showed up earlier this week, Monday or Tuesday or so. I'm sorry, it was last Saturday, I beg your pardon, even older than that, almost a week old, where somebody posted a video calling the action psychotic behavior. In the clip, a person is heard egging on a woman to lick the Bluebell Creamery's tin roof flavored ice cream and then telling her to put it back in the freezer. Now, this is an example of maybe social media working to the benefit of society. Not always the case. People on Twitter were alarmed as this video was put. She opens the freezer door, she licks the ice cream, she puts the cover back on, and she walks away. And then, of course, because this is what you do in this day and age, you post it, because then everybody can see it. And you run the risk of being called out and perhaps caught and captured and jail time. And we'll get to that in a second. But, hey, such is the risk you run. So people on Twitter see this. They contact the company, Bluebell Creameries, company responds by assuring customers they take the issue very seriously. And they're working with law enforcement, retail partners, social media platforms to get to the bottom of what happened. 
Food safety is a top priority. We work hard to provide a safe product and maintain the highest level of confidence from our consumers. Well, as I said, police have now identified the juvenile who was seen licking the ice cream. It happened at a local Walmart. There's the least surprising element of this story. Before putting it back into the freezer. Detectives have spoken with the suspect. Police have announced that they would not be releasing her name publicly because she is a minor. The case will now be turned over to the Texas Juvenile Justice Department, according to a spokesman. Here is the thing I want to ask you. Now, this is clearly a health risk, right? Clearly a health risk. You cannot have people in our free and open society walking into grocery stores and contaminating the food. Now, did she put some poison in something? No, it was not on that scale. But she opened a pint of ice cream, licked it, and put it back. You can't have that happen in a organized, sophisticated society as we have, right? That just cannot happen, and you can't get away with it. Well, police are saying she could have faced up to 20 years in prison. They had planned on arresting her on a charge of second-degree felony tampering. Bluebell has assured folks, saying the ice cream that was licked was never sold. Our staff recognized the location in the video. We inspected the freezer case. Here's what they did. They went to the security footage. They were able to see, because you can see partial uh, part of the girl's face in the uh, posting that she put up. But they went to the security footage. And they found her walking into the store using social media to track, bing, bang, boom. They found her. Okay, Food tampering is not a joke. We will not tolerate tampering with our products. And they notified police as soon as an employee was able to identify the store where the incident took place. 20 years? Is that, is that appropriate? Is that a lot? It's certainly something that I think warrants a punishment, but... I don't know if 20 years, and I don't think she'll get 20 years for something like this, is something that is a an appropriate punishment. I don't know. Would you disagree? 414-799-1620. We won't spend a lot of time here on this one. It does beg another question, though, that I have. In seeing the photo of her do this and watching the video of her do this, which is pretty disgusting, obviously, I do have another question when it comes to ice cream as an example, because that's what happened here. And other food, though, in the grocery store? I'll ask that question when we come back in just a couple of moments. We are broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone, the 2019 edition of Summerfest. I'm Scott Warris on WTMJ. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. The Head and the Heart, 10 o'clock tonight, Miller Light Oasis at Summerfest. Scott Warris sitting in for the vacationing, Jeff Wagner. And with you until 3, Eric Bilstad is here preparing for Wisconsin's afternoon news. So the story out of Texas, this woman licks because... I was talking with Eric off the air, and we'll, we'll... What was the reason for it? Because what's the reason anybody does anything on Twitter? So I can get a viral video out there. Well, look, she got viral all right. She got her viral video all right. That was the reason why. I don't know if she was dared or that was the plan. Girl, teenager, she's not an adult yet, 
opens the refri- uh, the refrigerator. She opens the uh, one of the freezer doors there at the grocery store, the frozen foods aisle where the ice cream is. Pops open a lid of ice cream, licks it, puts it back. Everybody laughs. They post it. Well, lo and behold, the company that makes the ice cream finds out. They track her down. Oh, by the way, between your face on your Twitter account along with the security camera footage, along with all the different law enforcement avenues that they can use to find you. Guess what? They found you. And now she could face up to 20 years in jail, depending on how strong they want to prosecute this case. And she won't get 20 years, I don't think. But nevertheless, that that's how much time she could be looking at. But the question I have after this, and she obviously should get a punishment of some sort. I don't know if two decades is, is warranted in a jail cell. But nevertheless, why is it? Because somebody texted in that this happens more than you think, or this happens a lot. Well, who, let me go back to the text line here. Uh, 262, this happens a lot more than you might think. Really? Does it really? There are a lot of people out there going into grocery stores and licking, touching, poking, contaminating ice cream and other food entities. This is happening. I'd like to think not. Maybe I just want to think that way so that I don't gross myself out when I'm at the grocery store. Here's the question I have. After something like this happens, doesn't ice cream need to have some sort of sealant? Is it just too easy for this to happen? I mean, not that it would prevent somebody from doing it per se, but it would alert someone who might buy that package, buy that, looks like a pint or a pint of ice cream now. Somebody was going to buy that pint. Well, clearly, if there's some sort of seal around the edge that is now breached, I'm not going to buy that. Just like if you go to buy a gallon of milk and you can tell that the cap has been opened or or any you know type of drink whereby you can tell if that seal on the lid has been popped. Then you know something happened along the way. You don't buy it. Is it time? Maybe it's time we do this for ice cream, too. Maybe it's time we do this for a lot more food. If it really is, 262, happening more than you think, maybe not enough is being done to protect the food. Fran and Muskego, do you remember the Tylenol fiasco? Yeah, that was in the mid-'80s, right? Down in Illinois, Chicagoland area, right? That was when they had uh, the issue of uh, all those... People that had lost their lives, in fact, got sick, several deaths after there were Tylenol bottles that were opened and there was, uh, the pills were taken out, there was poison pills put in, people got sick, people died. But what came of that, right? That is kind of the larger question here. What changes did the pharmaceutical industry make after that? It was in 82, by the way. That's when uh, the pharmaceutical, food, and consumer production uh, product industries developed what? Tamper-resistant packaging, such as those, they call them induction seals, so you can kind of improve quality control methods, things like that. Plus, tampering was made a federal crime. Things to think about, maybe, for other food. Not that I don't think twice already. Uh, when I when I go grocery shopping, sometimes if you knew where I went grocery shopping, some of the things I've seen. Oh my goodness! Uh, let's quickly go to the phones here, Dave and Waukesha. Before we move on, Dave wants to weigh in. Good afternoon, sir. Hey Scott, how you doing? Um, 
I think, I'm well. I'm, I'd say roll the book at her. I mean, I mean, realistically, you know, if you spit on somebody, you can be locked up. And really, with what she did, and she thought it was a joke. Well, you know what? It's no joke. So here's the, you know, send a message, basically, is what it comes down to. You know, send a message to everybody else saying, yeah, great, you're getting your pranks and your yanks for, and you want to post it on Twitter or whatever. And uh, you know what? There's real-world consequences. And, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it can be a you know, bad thing. So, I mean... I, yeah, and I understand what you're saying, Dave. I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not averse to punishing her. And I recognize the issue of, uh, of making an example. I just don't know, and I appreciate the call, Dave. Thanks, my friend. I, appreciate, I, I, I don't know that 20 years. 20 years in jail for this. Now, if she was shown to have... And I think what I'm doing here is I'm parsing the severity of what she did. And the question becoming, is one's saliva more harmful to the greater good and the health of the community than something along the lines of poison, general term there obviously, or other truly harmful elements that could be put into ice cream? Isn't that what this really comes down to? This comes down to... Maybe maybe I just don't feel she should get 20 years because it's just spit. And it's not some sort of deadly chemical that she injected into the ice cream with a syringe. Maybe that's it. Maybe if that was the case. But look, if you could die from what she did, probably we'd all be a lot more willing to go after her. Uh, Mitch texting in, there is a protective plastic layer or wrap with most ice cream. Maybe that's how they found the licked carton. Maybe. Uh, I just I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's usually you just you just open it up and you just go. I don't know if there's really a sealed plastic wrap over the top. I I think in general too much food can probably be tampered with. And I don't know if a lot of entities have gone to the extent that maybe they need I don't know if they need to. It's just, how big a problem is that? Some people think it's more than others. Yeah, if it wasn't spit, I'd probably feel differently. So, I'm on record there. It's 153. We'll continue with more. We are live at Summerfest from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Scott Morris, sitting in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, here's Jeff Wagner. Scott Warris in for Mr. Wagner. We have one hour to go. The final Friday of Summerfest. About two, a little over two and a half, two and three quarters days left of Summerfest 2019. It's been great to be out here uh, for the last week plus, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Wisconsin's afternoon news comes up at uh, 3 o'clock, so about 50 minutes from now. Eric Bilstad is feverishly preparing, and by that I mean eating a hot dog <laughs> to my left right now. It's great, buddy. That's real great, buddy. Okay, here's uh, I teased it before the uh, newscast. 
there's something that happened yesterday that is what I enjoy more. There's an element of something that happened yesterday that I enjoy more than maybe the actual element itself. It is today's edition of... Great Scott! As all of you were out there celebrating the nation's birthday, watching fireworks, consuming mass quantities of grilled items, speaking of consuming mass quantities, they were consuming mass quantities yesterday at Coney Island. Yes, indeed, the annual Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Joey Chestnut, who is a familiar name to many, dominating again 71 hot dogs and buns, mind you, to win his 12th mustard belt at the 4th of July, the annual event at Coney Island in New York. Joey Chestnut has long since dethroned Kobayashi, and thus Chestnut is at the top of the competitive eating world. But while a lot of attention is on the competition itself, there is something that happens right before the hot dogs and buns are consumed that I enjoy the most. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I bring you the work of a man called George Shea. He is the silent warrior who stands where land meets horizon, steadfast and unshakable. A city on a hill, lit for all to see. A poem written using every word of every language of every country in the world. He is a bead of light floating in the dark oil of night. For he is the very vessel of our freedom, the champion of the 4th of July. And he will fight until he is the last man standing on the dirt-covered surface of the earth. For his cause is the cause of victory. His cause is the cause of one nation, under God, indivisible. The number one ranked eater in the world. 74 hot dogs and buns. The Nathan's famous hot dog eating champion of the world. That introduction makes the entire event for me. I really don't even care if Joey Chestnut ends up winning that competition. But the way that George Shea, and he's the longtime MC and master of ceremonies of uh, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, he is the PR man, he's the marketing man, he is the face, and in many ways the voice of that entire competitive eating world. And if you've seen the event, you know what he looks like. He kind of wears that old uh, kind of a carnival barker's hat, if you will, in the background with the big Uncle Sam-looking suit. Anyway... There is no... Who who would not want to go into competition of any kind? Who would not want to enter their day at the office and not have George Shea introduce them? I just... I admire... And, and we should mention, he obviously prepares some of those lines, many of those lines, in advance. He doesn't read that. 
He's just up there with the microphone, screaming and yelling and coming up with all those remarkably creative phrases to introduce, in this case, Joey Chestnut. So while Joey Chestnut won again 71 hot dogs and buns for the 12th time there at, on Coney Island, yes, Joey Chestnut gets a lot of credit for what he accomplished, but my hero in the annual Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest is the master of ceremonies, and that is Mr. George Shea. And that was today's edition of Great Scott. When we come back, a little bit of a side track from what happened, because Joey Chestnut was actually involved in a battle with a very prominent sports writer as well. We'll get into that when we come back. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner. WTMJ Dia playing the Uline Warehouse with Miller Light and CW18 and My24 tonight. 10 o'clock show, 10 o'clock show. Okay, so we, we, I just played my favorite part of the hot dog eating contest. First of all, it's hot dog and bun eating contest. The buns are a key element in that because, well, I mean, it's you got to soak it in the water and then it gets... Anyway, speaking of the, the combination of eating, so this week ESPN aired a great 30 for 30 documentaries, and this has been going on for many years now, and, and even if you're not a sports fan, I, I and many of you hopefully still catch these, and even if... if if you don't, you should, because they really are, they're sports-driven, but they're not solely for sports fans. And they've had documentaries all across the board. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on the anniversary of the Bronco Chase with OJ. That was the first, I believe that was the first 30 for 30 that ESPN did. It was done brilliantly, taking you behind the scenes into what happened that remarkable day in June. Uh, that year. Well, anyway, the 30 for 30 that ESPN put out this week was on the Joey Chestnut versus Kobayashi competitive eating rivalry, if you will. And in response to this, Peter King, who was a long time prominent sports writer, covers the NFL. Peter King said this about a documentary, in essence, focusing on the world of competitive eating. And you can argue whether or not it's really a sport or not. I don't necessarily think it is, but it's definitely a thing, okay? Anyway, the debate that has come of this is somewhat interesting. And here's what I want to ask at 414-799-1620 on the Acumen Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. You've got Peter King, who is criticizing the world of competitive eating and criticizing ESPN for their 30 for 30 documentary. He says this, and competitive eating, I think we all know what that is, right? How many fill-in-the-blank can you eat in X number of minutes? It's a whole circuit from hot dogs and buns to tacos to spaghetti to lasagna to clams to uh, just look. If you name the food item and, and there's a competition for eating it. Here's what Peter King says in a tweet. A shame 
It is a shame that as at least a fifth of children in America go to bed hungry at night, ESPN is highlighting gluttony, treating someone who overeats excessively as a competitive athlete. Truly disgusting, Peter King called it. So Peter King saying that anybody who glorifies or anything that has anything to do with competitive eating is out of bounds because of the issue we have in this country with Americans going hungry. Okay? Truly disgusting. To which Joey Chestnut answered back, I am an athlete. I think Peter King, he's kind of narrow-minded. He's picking low-hanging fruit. It's easy to criticize something. He could easily criticize NASCAR for greenhouse gas emissions. It's kind of absurd. The amount of food we are eating is very, very small. Actually, most of the contests involve donations to food banks. He's just kind of narrow-minded. So here's the question I have at 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does Peter King have a point? Is there something to be said for the fact that the competitive eating circuit, eh, you can debate whether or not it's a sport, and that's not so much the argument I want to have right now, but does Peter King have a point that it is the completely wrong thing to do to have it go, uh, have it go on in the first place and then secondarily glorify it with a documentary about the popularity of these competitions? Does Peter King have a point, or are you siding maybe with Joey Chestnut, who says, look, we're, in the grand scheme of things, we're not eating that very much. Kind of absurd to make that type of claim and criticism. 414-799-1620. Peter King or Joey Chestnut? Is Peter King across the line here? Did he? Did he... Is he just kind of grasping at straws when he says this is something for which we should be offended? 414-799-1620, broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone at Summerfest. Scott Warris in for Jeff on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. At the Uline Warehouse stage tonight, 10 o'clock, Daya performing. I'm performing here for another 35 minutes. That's when Eric Bilstead will take the stage and uh, handle Wisconsin's afternoon news. 414-799-1620, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Peter King, sports writer, has come out criticizing the likes of Joey Chestnut and the competitive eating world and realm for what he says is truly disgusting in light of the fact that a fifth of children in America go to bed hungry every night. This does nothing but highlight gluttony and treat people who overeat excessively as a competitive athlete. Joey Chestnut said, I am an athlete. I think Peter King's narrow-minded. It's easy to criticize something. Why not criticize, and this is kind of an interesting analogy, why not criticize NASCAR for greenhouse gas emissions? It's absurd. The amount... Of food we're eating is very, very small. 71 hot dogs and buns for the record yesterday for Chestnut. To the phones, shall we? Cedarburg and Tim, you're first up. Good afternoon, Tim. You're on WTMJ. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, right. I think it's a very, like Joey Chestnut said, I mean, it's a very small 
you know, needle in a haystack type deal compared to in the, in what I said, your screener. I don't know. I don't think this is reaching. Peter King, who probably has been in locker rooms before, I assume, the spread they put out for these pro athletes who already get paid well, and if they're on the road, they get stipends to go out to eat at night as well. Right? So what do they do with all that food? I mean, the spread in the locker rooms is incredible. If he's worried about wasting food here, tell him to go look in that yeah. direction. Yeah, and I, I, he, he has been in many locker rooms, Tim, covering the NFL right. for and all those years. Remember Ricky Henderson said, when, you know, he, they get stipend money, they put it in an envelope for him. Remember when his kids did, he put it all in a hat. He had so many of them. So his kids, and then the money varied from, you know, three-game road trip, six-game road trip. He said his kids would pick out an envelope, you know, and that would be their reward for whatever they did good. Well, here, they don't even need that food money again. Why don't they just go to the Hunger Task Force and yeah. not put out a spread? Put out the spread in the locker room. No, yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. no you're, you're exactly right, Tim. Thanks for the call. There is a lot of food in a lot of those locker rooms and a lot of those professional athletes and what happens to all that food i just think it's kind of uh really uh, that thought never even cover i mean that, that thought never even went into my mind as if to think it it's you know exploit something or or cast a pall over the issue of hunger for children in america what peter what jeff in menominee falls line two you're up next on wtmj what say you jeff Hey, Scott. I actually watched the competition, and uh, the introduction was great <laughs> that you played, too. It's my favorite part. Hey, it's my favorite part, Jeff. Oh, that, <laughs> that was funny. But I was going to mention this screener, too. Uh, they had a thing about Nathan's donating you know, millions of hot dogs to food pantries through the years of, uh, you know, of this competition and stuff. So I think it's you know, kind of a joke for that writer to be commenting on that, too, you know. So, yeah, no, I do. My, you my you know what I think it is? I, I appreciate the call, Jeff. Have a great afternoon. You know what I think part of it is? I think Peter King is just so grossed out and turned off by the visuals that he felt so disgusted by it just himself personally that he felt like going out and, and criticizing it instead of just turning it off and moving on with your day he was so disgusted that he said i i I need more satisfaction to exercise my disgust with what i'm watching and so i'm going to because i have a platform as a national sports writer i'm going to go out there and state my case as vociferously as possible one more to waukesha and terry will squeeze you in terry i got about a minute what say you Um, I agree with you. I was telling your screener what I think is it brings community together. It's a tradition. We just went to our 4th of July thing in um, our community yesterday. They do a, a traditional pie-eating contest for the men and the women. It is disgusting. You can choose to watch it or not. But it's fun, and it's like the commentary during it. It's a way of bringing community together in this world where, you know, there's so many differences and all this other crap going on. Excuse the word. Um I think it's stupid. <laughs> I think it's very much. You know, I, I just, I, I don't, let me ask you this, Terry. You said yeah. you had a pie-eating contest there yeah, in your neck of the woods. Yeah, I was yeah. Who won? How many pies or how much of a pie or how many pies did the winner five eat? five guys. There's five guys and five women in it, and they have one winner. 
And it's just this old traditional Fourth of July picnic, like you'd see on I can't think of it even the uh, like Stand by Me or some of those movies where I mean not quite like that. That was pretty grotesque, mm-hmm. um, but okay. it's just super cool. I, I appreciate the call, Terry. And um, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. It, it's what you do about nothing. I mean, Peter King. If you don't like it, if you're grossed out by it, turn it off. And, and like. A couple callers have said, and a couple texters have said, Nathan's has donated food to those who need it, to pantries, to organizations that help get food out to those who are hungry in America. So if you actually do some of your homework, Peter, you'd realize that they're probably doing, in fact, they are doing a lot more to help the problem and they are hurting it by having this annual eating competition i i I could probably count on one hand and have a number of fingers left the number of people who would connect the hot dog eating competition transpose that with the food shortage in this country point chestnut on that one it is 231 Got a half hour left of the Wagnerless edition of a Friday show. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Dashboard confessional, the BMO Harris Pavilion tonight, 945 at Summerfest. This is supposed to be the warmest day of uh, the festival run, I believe. The hottest day of the uh, run of the fest. It's a little bit cooler along the lake, isn't it? Just by a couple degrees. We've been monitoring the 60-foot unicorn, which is now, you know, we said earlier in the show, the uh, 60-foot unicorn was being corralled by the Milwaukee Police Department out there on the lake. And we actually, we didn't say this before, uh, saw the MPD board the unicorn to which some of us here watching thought there was going to be something. Like, were they going to have to deflate the unicorn? Were they going to be cordoning off the unicorn, dragging it off, whatever? But no, I think they were actually taking selfies themselves because here we sit, and as I like to call it, Instagram Alley. This is one of the most picturesque spots, and the 60-foot unicorn is a big reason for it. So MPD, as intrigued by the unicorn as the Summerfest goers. Okay. I mentioned this a moment ago. I am, this is, I have never heard, I have never heard of this happening before. So maybe you have, and I'm, I'm happy to hear other examples of this. The And I apologize if I don't pronounce the last name of this tennis player correctly. He's from Australia. I'm going to go with Bernard Tomic. Tomic. He has been fined by Wimbledon fifty-six, the equivalent of $56,100. You want to venture a guess as to why he is facing a fine of over $56,000? It is because, well, first of all, that amount is his full Wimbledon prize money. He is being fined. He's got to give it back, in essence, for not meeting the required professional standard during a lackluster 58-minute first-round defeat by Joe Wilfred Tsonga. He, and you'll forgive my language, he sucked so badly that they're, that they're fining him $56,000. 
That's how bad he was. I've never heard of anything like this happening. It's the maximum penalty for what for what the Brits call his limp performance, okay, in Tuesday's 6-2-6-1-6-4 loss. It is the shortest men's match at Wimbledon since 2004. 58 minutes. He's, uh, let's see, the world number 96 in the country, lost in the first set in 18 minutes. The second set in 17, he won just 47 points. Now, this is what Wimbledon does. This is how the Brits roll. Officials penalize Tomic for his lack of effort and professionalism after failing to chase down the balls and appearing indifferent to the result. What What did you want him to do? Cry? Here's what the organizers say. All players, you can just picture this with a British accent, all players, I'm not going to do one, are expected to perform to a professional standard in every Grand Slam match. It is the opinion of the referee that the performance of Bernard Tomic in his first round match did not meet the required professional standards, <laughs> and therefore he has been fined the maximum amount, which will be deducted from prize money. He was supposed to get fifty-six grand. They fine him, so he—it's a push. He's not going to walk away with any money. He doesn't have to technically dig into his own pocket or bank account to pay that. But nevertheless, I have never heard of anything like this happening before in sports. In two thousand seventeen, he was actually fined once before. So. Bernie, I'm going to call him Bernie. Bernie Tomek, you run the risk of ticking off the Wimbledon folks, and you it happened two years ago. Why was he fined two years ago, 15 grand, for telling a press conference he had faked an injury and that he was, quote, bored with Wimbledon following a first-round exit that year? Those comments cost him his sponsorship with a racket manufacturer, he can appeal against Wimbledon's decision. <laughs> I love that story. I mean, just think about think about the other opportunities that are out there. Think about the other sports, the other athletes that you could find for, again, sucking or not caring or performing in a limp manner, as they like to say, across the pond. It really does open up a whole other realm of possibilities. I did not know that in sports you could be fined because you were, well, bad. But that's how they roll at Wimbledon. 242, Scott Warris in for Jeff. We'll continue more live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Dashboard Confessional, Bimo Harris Pavilion tonight, here at Summerfest. Derek in Germantown texted in and said Albert Hainsworth would have been a candidate for <laughs> a few, what would you call it, a futility fine a couple of years ago. Yeah, we were just talking in the last segment about the... Uh, 
Professional tennis player Bernard Tomic, who was fined $56,100, the amount of his prize money, for what the powers that be at Wimbledon call the lack of effort in a limp defeat. I didn't know you could do that. You clearly could, which makes you think what other players, what other teams, what other individuals in sports might you like to find. I was just going off the top of my head. I would like to find T.J. Rubley for for audibling in the Metrodome back there in, uh, what was that, 93, 94? I would like to find all members of the 2002 Milwaukee Brewers and specifically Jerry Royster for their 2002, as I say, season worst, 56 and 106. They went 56 and 106. That is still the worst Brewers record in team history. Hmm. Jose Hernandez might be a good nominee to find. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn that year that he challenged the Major League Baseball strikeout, single-season strikeout record. He might be a good one. I'd like to find every Milwaukee Bucks team between 2002 and <laughs> the year that, what, three years ago, four years ago, the year that Giannis came to town. See, there, it really does open up an opportunity to levy some financial charges against a whole group of people. Yeah, Wimbledon's another one where, although that, that I, what is more popular, do you think, right now in this country, tennis or soccer in America right now? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, those are two sports, and we had a texter say this earlier when we were talking about the popularity of soccer or the lack thereof, except every four years or so. Somebody said that there are certain sports like tennis and like soccer who need those individual superstars. So tennis, you need, you know, a, a, a... a Sampras, you need an Agassi, you need a rivalry among greats. I don't know if tennis has that. Obviously, Serena Williams is is a star, but she's certainly in the twilight of her career. We'll see. You need star power for a lot of those fringe sports. Coming up on 250, we'll take one more break. We'll check in with Eric Bilstad when we come back. He'll be here. He is here at Summerfest getting ready for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. That's next.